Hi, welcome to How Did You Learn to Do That, where you will hear tips, guidance, and stories to help you to have a fulfilling life and career. The inspirational stories that you will hear from people will inspire you to know that you can create anything you want in your life and it just takes commitment and action. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited for you to hear these stories, these guidance and the tips that I'll be sharing. And if you have any questions, you could always reach out to me, info at howdidyoulearntodothat.com. And you can connect with us on social media. We're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at how did you learn to do that and we would love if you could help us grow and expand this podcast by reviewing us on apple podcasts as well as on youtube and sharing the episodes with your family and your friends and helping us continue to spread the message that we all are deserving of a fulfilling life and we can be the catalysts in our lives to create that all right stay tuned for the next episode Hi, everyone. I would love to welcome Flo to the How Did You Learn to Do That podcast. Welcome, Flo. Hi, thanks, Angesa. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Flo. So Flo is the owner and creative director of Precious by Flo. Flo is a mom to an active active six-year-old twin boys and and a gentle golden retriever. Being the youngest to 10 siblings, wow, 10 siblings, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's a lot. Flo highly values collaboration and has a strong sense of community. She launched Precious by Flo, which is a community-based, preserved, florist de- dedicated to advancing employment opportunities for women while also promoting the positive ecological impacts of preserved flowers. Her vision is to be able to facilitate a space where women can put their creative hats on together, improve their mental health, and build connection by helping the community, all while making income for their families through floral arrangements. Her floral arrangements are perfect as gifts to friends and families, but corporate clients can also reach out to her for custom corporate gifts and office decor. A big part of what she does as well is work with nonprofit organizations and collaborate with their fundraising efforts from single customized flower boxes to huge arrangements ready for auction. When not busy running after her boys and creating her flower boxes, you can find her strolling the beach with her dog, Bentley, hiking the trails, sipping kombucha, lost in her book, or virtually learning to play her ukulele. So I'm excited to have Flo here. She's been a longtime friend and supporter of me and this podcast. And we met through the Business Based Collective. Um, and I've had a couple of folks from there. And it was an amazing group of people as part of the Action Takers Club. So I'm so excited to have you share your story, Flo. Oh, thank you. Me too. I'm very excited for this. You're the second person that told me um, that they spent um, some time during quarantine to learn the ukulele. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been, it's been on my bucket list for quite some time. And but, now I thought it's the perfect time. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So I would love to learn more about you. I know I've seen your beautiful flower arrangements um, and I admire them all the time. And so tell me a bit about you. How did you start in this business? What really drew you to doing this? Um, and how did you come up with uh, the idea and the model that you did? Yeah, so basically, um, when I was growing up, I thought, um, you know, the trajectory of my life is from point A to B. You know, I've always been an A student, always loved reading. I'm such a geek. Um, you know, acing everything, graduated as a valedictorian. So automatically from the culture where I came from, 
I'm destined to be a doctor or a dentist, yeah. right? But then uh, that didn't turn out that way. Um, I think my journey to where I am now, even my friends, um, if you ask my friends, they weren't surprised because they know I've always loved flowers. But most of them know that this is something that I wanted to do after I retire. Basically, right? Like in my mind, after I retire, I will have a small flower shop with a tea <laughs> shop beside it. So that's my vision. But then few things have happened. So I call them my passion pockets, right? So I guess it started when, again, when I was young, I always loved chemistry. I always loved science and technology. And when I was introduced to this product where, again, my love for flowers, and then I was introduced to this product that there's a new way of preserving roses. And I was really intrigued, curious, so I researched it. It's the technology patented in Japan. So where basically the products are natural, eco-friendly, where using high heat and technology, again, high pressure, they use the natural contents of flowers, protein, sugar. And being a geek, right? I'm like, well, how did they do that? Like, <laughs> really intrigued me. Like, not even thinking of it as a business. But at the time, I'm like, how do they do that? And then they dehydrate it, they rehydrate it. And then I just basically, and I thought to myself, wow, that is the future of flowers. Like, and then uh, years pass by and it's just, you know, Saved there in the back of the head, right? But then, and that was in Europe, actually. When I learned about this, I was living in Europe. So that's oh, a passion okay. packet. Another, yeah, another passion packet is why people ask me all the time, why why um, moms? Why help moms? Why women? Um, right? Like, why not just keep it a luxury product, you know, and keep it as is? Like, usually, what is it? it basically, I have people ask, questioning um, a business model saying it's a luxury product and then you're dealing with not-for-profit and it's too um, convoluted, right? Yeah. But like um, for me, not really, because as long as I'm clear with my why and my purpose, it all aligns. Actually, having a luxury product in my mind is not that something like celebrity would buy. I always believe that we are a celebrity of our own lives. We yeah. all deserve to buy these nice, precious gifts, right? And to be honest with you, preserved roses have this, this myth that it's luxurious. It is luxurious product, but it's very um, available. Mm -hmm. It's very available for everybody uh, in terms of price point and whatnot, as long as it's packaged well, right? So that's uh, another passion. Uh, the passion packet that I talk about is when I was living in Spain, I had to leave my job here in Vancouver, move there. And uh, my visa didn't allow me to work. So basically, I keep meeting moms and other women who basically left their work. And my idea is to be able, my vision is to be able to create um, employment for women where we could do this from home. We could do this if we need to travel somewhere else. We can carry this along. Um, and that would be my vision for, again, I'm very in my infancy, but that's where I see myself heading. I can taste it. I can feel it. It's possible, right? So another passion uh, pocket that I have is when I had the kids, I had a very dangerous uh, pregnancy. And this is, again, one of those topics that I don't um, talk about a lot. I mm. almost uh, died during childbirth. Mm. Yeah, I had, um, very, I had a severe edema, mm -hmm. uh, um, severe preeclampsia, where the water actually went through my brain. So oh, wow. I... I had a seizure, and which uh, was fatal. So I actually, it was a very devastating time. I didn't even skin to skin the kids because they had to, after I had the seizure, I had to be rushed to ICU. 
being in the dark for a few days because they can't put light because I'm gonna yeah. see her again. And during and if people know me, I don't have downtime. I'm just a very hyper person. Yeah. And um seeing me um basically being myself like being in that darkness not knowing what's going on and I have no control over anything. And the thing is, I may be unconscious, but I can hear people talking. And all I could hear is she's so lucky that she could survive the seizure. Like I didn't realize how fatal that was. And that's when yeah. I realized this is, and they kept saying to me when I woke up, this is the second chance. How lucky, right? How this, yeah. you know, how lucky to be alive, right? And then I started thinking for myself, that mentality of waiting there's always mm -hmm. a mentality i don't know if it's brought up from family culture that you do all this now process and mm -hmm. then you get there that's when it happens the same idea as my flower shop i do all these things now journey a to b and then when i retire i'll have my flower shop mm -hmm. and that is that waking up moment for me where i'm like why do i have to wait <laughs> why do i have to wait that's like mm -hmm. of that. But then the twins happened and you know, a few years of that, and that's why I had to wait. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so that's so inspirational. I didn't know that. And that's you know, that is just a testament to um the fact that time is something that you know, and I always say this was like time is the only thing we have no control over. We have no control over how much time we have, you know, um, how much time we don't have, what happens with that time. And sometimes um, you just, like you said, like you're just waiting and you think you have so much more time coming, but you really don't know. Like other than this moment right now, you don't know how many more minutes you have, how many more hours you have. Like you just don't know. So it's important, like you said, to just pursue things when you want. And, um, and I love that you said that you decided to just do it when do it sooner than retirement because you don't know like this if you'll have the time or um you know if this is your passion and this is what you want to do it's important to just do it now and so I really appreciate that and um and I actually have a friend whose dad um he passed away six years ago yeah six years ago and um and what um what he would always say is, you know, he was working so hard, so hard. And he's like, I'll enjoy my downtime when I'm retired, when I'm retired, when I'm tired. Well, you know, like a couple of years before retirement, he died, you know, he, he got diagnosed with something and within three months he was gone. And it was like, so devastating, you know? And it's so, um, so after that, I, I felt the same way. I was just like, you just never know. So let's just do it now. And you know, make sure that you know what you want to do now because time, yeah, time is of the essence. And so I really appreciate that, that you do that. Time is so precious. And the thing is, um, it also taught me, that experience also taught me that there are so many things you can control, yes, but there are so many things that are beyond your control and can be imperfect, which is another um, thing that, you know, led me to jump. Like, because mm. I'm a very type A person, again, right? Very routine, grew up from a big family, kind of like military. You use the washroom at this time, you know, kind of like, yeah. but everything's on schedule. Um, bless my mom. She's she's very good and uh, in organizing, you know, kind of like a little operation 
Yeah, 10 kids is a little operation. <laughs> exactly. So I have to give it to her. And and we all are like this. We all are like, you know, I guess it ha- the situation called for it, where our mentality is somewhat linear. Yes, where you go do this thing, right? And that's the end product, basically. But I have to say um, that gave us a foundation though, right? That gave us that foundation uh, being organized. But then I realized it doesn't have to be in that order. It doesn't have to be in an order. So I launched the e-commerce. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't ready. The website, there's some pictures here, some pictures there. And I just decided that usually my old self would be like, no, it's not perfect. We can't launch. We have to wait. Oh, wait, the product line is not what I wanted. So yeah. No, basically the the biggest change for me is like, oh, we have a few products. Okay, we have customers interested. Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. And the feedback I got, the data I got from that, like honest client feedback, right? What colors they want, what size they want. It's so huge. Yeah. It did my market fit as I'm running the business. Basically. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's amazing because you're you're right. It's it's um, not waiting until things are perfect because, you know, how do you know it's ever going to be perfect and it's ever evolving, right? Like, you know, and I've, like I said, I've had my business a year now and in a year I've probably rebranded three times. When I first started, I didn't even know what a brand was. I'll be honest. Like I was like, I need a logo and I paid someone for one logo and that's it. And then I was like, I went for it and I just, you know, um, after a while, I was like, oh, maybe I do need a brand for brand awareness. I need similar colors. And so I picked a couple colors I thought were pretty. And then I realized I put pink in there and I realized that pink is not me. It's not, I'm not really, you know, geared. cause it was also, it was, I guess, more focused towards women, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not just like, it is majority women that are my audience, but I'm not just um, to women, if, if, you know, a man comes by and was like, Hey, can you coach me on my career for film? I would be happy to do that. So then I switched it. Now I'm happy with my colors, but I, but I remember like all these things you learn and it's just like, how would you learn that if you didn't just start, right? Like if you were stuck in the background waiting to like figure out your colors and whatnot, like how would you actually learn yeah. what you want? And I think that that, um, what you're sharing is, is key. And so, um, so once you got started, how did you, like, how did you figure out like this industry? Like, did you know about it or what did you have to do? And how did you come, like, also, how did you learn how to start it? But how did you, um, like build the confidence to actually do this? You know, if this is it, like, if this was not an area you were an expert in before. Right. Um, basically, I, again, I think it's one of those journey where I always used to believe that everything happened for a reason that the skills I've learned over the course of years, because what I forgot to mention is when I live in Spain, it really bothered me um, that women, mostly women left their home, work abroad. Then they were, they all have thriving career, left their career to support the family, which is great. Right. But then we were all left there. I was getting by because I was speaking Spanish, but most of them didn't speak Spanish couldn't find work or the visa didn't allow it, right? So I, it really bothered me, the inequality in terms of, you know, yeah, it happens and it's the reality I understand. But it really bothered me at the time where I couldn't find work. Well, first, I felt like, like I was really happy for the experience. I was very grateful that I get to travel. 
But at the same time, I was starting my career, right? Mm-hmm. So um, way back, but then I wanted to start something, but I just didn't know what. And that was a long time ago before even the word nomad existed. But then I yeah. started working, like getting data entry here, doing survey here, just because I was like bored to my skull, right? Yeah. Like, you know, people say like, there's a beach. It's like, yeah, but you know, if you live there for years and you go to the same <laughs> beach, it's different than when you're traveling, right? They're like, you gotta, and also you need some stimulation and you need to, for me, like, I always want the idea of making my own income, right? Yeah. So, um, and then when I came back, but then again, you know, I got pregnant, complication, came back to Canada. I started the business called The Task Lady. So basically, oh, okay. yeah. digital, um, basically supporting startups getting them, you know, mostly mom and pop shop who didn't have a website, right? Uh, getting data entry, getting a little bit of social media marketing, marketing yeah. for them, that kind of startup. So this, those skills I got from there. And those I learned all, not without, form, uh, without any formal training. It's just, you know, learning on my own, getting courses here and there. And also talking to my friends who are, have expertise on it. Um, and then I came across... The journey of meeting non-for-profit organizations, actually, right? Because they are usually the ones who needed donors, sponsors, um, not necessarily have a website running. And that's how, mm. and then meeting them, they're always looking for donor gifts, things for auction, for fundraising. And, and I realized I'm so passionate about it as well. And who is going to tell, I, I think that's one thing I wanted to say, like, who's going to tell you that thing doesn't work if you don't try? Hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thing is, I thought of my love for flowers, great, and my love for the environment is great, and that's why preserve roses. It, it's just the solution to that. Maybe I should uh, rewind because a few years back, I already made a business plan for myself for my retirement. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. So I made two business plans for a small flower shop. Basically, it's called Symphony of Flowers. Yeah. <laughs> I keep editing. It's kind of like you know when I when I when I do something I don't like at the moment. That's my vision board, my flower shop. Yeah. Yeah. The business plan had been edited like probably five times, but I couldn't make it out for myself because there's a lot of waste. So in my mind, my flower shop wouldn't survive because a lot of waste. And then I then I research about ecological impact, transport, refrigeration, storage, right? the pesticides and chemicals that go to the soil for the production. Mm. And, uh, maybe I don't want to be involved in that, right? But then I realized, actually, no. Um, I started researching preserved roses, and they it actually solved that problem for me, for me personally, yeah. right? And um, so, yeah, that's where I started. And then it just links. It just links to my love for supporting not-for-profit and the community, my love for flowers and doing it now and not wait (laughs) wow that's amazing I love that you have a business plan for retirement I need one (laughs) maybe you should sell that as one of your services like I will help you create your life for retirement or or just like a a dream vision of what you want it to look like right um I think that would be really fun um and actually, as you're speaking, I just keep thinking to my mom because um, she loves to cook. Like the cooking and baking is her passion. That's just what she loves. She loves her love language 
if there was a love language for food would be food. Like she just loves to serve you. And we growing up, we would always like uh, my grandparents would always get mad at her because they'd be like, you're inviting us for dinner. There's two of us and you're two young kids. And my mom was a single mom. So she's like, the, and my grandpa's like, why are you cooking for 50 people? Like, why do you have to make 20 different things? Like make two or three things and that's enough. And my mom just like, she just can't do that. You know, like that's just not her personality. So we would always have to pack food and like, then like the neighbors would all get food. Like everybody would get food, you know? Um, And it's just like, it's a passion of hers. And she always says she wants her own catering business or or her own coffee. She actually wants a coffee shop where she could, you know, make her own little foods and whatnot and um, all this stuff. So as you're talking about this, I'm always like, okay, mom, in the future, in the future. But now you're talking, I'm like, no, mom, like do it now, you know, um, after COVID. <laughs> yeah, after COVID for sure. For sure. After COVID. But, um, yeah, it just like, it, agree with it's... You. Oh, sorry. For agreeing. I so agree with you. Why is food not in the love language? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, but yeah, I, I, am totally inspired by what you're sharing because, um, it's just, if you really want to do something, you can find a way. And what you're saying is you do your research and you, you found the things you don't like, and then you figured out the things that you like, which all lead you down to what it is that, um, that you're doing now. And so, um, what's, um, how do you, you know, with the business, there's always ebbs and flows. There's always other, we were talking about this earlier. There's lots of noise coming in from everybody, um, wanting to do different things and seeing what other people are doing. So how do you maintain your purpose or your why at the forefront of everything you do and how do you connect with that um over and over again just to make sure that whatever you are doing is still true to what you said you want to do and what your purpose is that's right um um i i do this practice where i talk to myself i think it started when i was young again having grown up from a big family there's always that constant noise right sometimes yeah Certainly knowing the boundary where the boundary is. So <laughs> always just try to find a space where I can talk to myself, check in, you know, check in. You're okay, you're still there, good. Right? I think I started that when I was 10. Like I have memories mm-hmm. of talking to myself already. And then as I grow up, although you know, I have phases in my life where I didn't have um I didn't have I didn't put intention into talking to myself. And those were the dark days of my life. Because yeah. I'm noise. Mm. Reacting to things, right? People crossing boundaries, not respecting myself. And so having having experienced that cloud those cloudy days, I can I keep going back to where is the light, you know? Where is the why? Where is where are you? Basically, I always talk to myself, where are you? Where have you been? Right? So I, every time I go back to that, I get reminded of who I am and what I like, what I'm passionate about, my why. Mm-hmm. And as long as that fire is burning, and the only time, the only way I could keep it is to be intentional about it, though. Like, I find I have to be intentional in how I talk to myself. hmm Basically befriending myself because apparently uh, this is another thing I learned uh, when I, I'm already an adult when I started thinking this way where I have to befriend myself because I'm apparently I'm a really good friend to my friends but I'm very bad at taking care of myself mm-hmm. right 
And so I incorporated that into my routine of talking to myself. So basically, it's just checking in and being kind to me and not judge me. Mm-hmm. The mistakes that I continuously make, right? Um, the imperfections that I have. And mind you, yeah, there's still days that, you know, you deviate to that because the noise, mm-hmm. right? But then um, the only way I go back is again, be intentional and talk to myself, ground myself and remind me of where's the light, you know, keep mm-hmm. it light, keep the why. And that's very applicable to now, like what you said. I, that's why I can really resonate to what you said. I also did the same, you know, when I started the business, what's everybody doing Instagram? I didn't even have Instagram account, like personally, right? But then everybody's telling me, go on social media, go do this, go do that, which is so helpful for the business. I agree. But at the same time, um, there was one point in, because we're only only a year now, precious mm-hmm. my first oh, a year now. So I think on our sixth month where you can even see on our branding, it's getting deviated, you know? It's not, it's getting misaligned mm-hmm. <laughs> from what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I said, you're, you're probably right. Like probably three times that I have to do that. <laughs> check in. What are we doing? Like what's important? You know, what are, why are we here? What are we doing this for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I love the Action Takers Club because I always get reminded by our, my avatar because I have my avatar. And um, are we serving her? Are we serving that person? Where if not, well, don't do it. Basically, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. In terms of personal journey, though, yeah, I always just have to talk myself, <laughs> ask myself back, yeah, and check in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that because I actually talk to myself all the time too. And I remember from being a young kid, my sister would always, you know, I we would walk to and from school right and so I would like put on a cd in my cd player (laughs) put on my headphones and I would tell her I was like can you walk ahead like I'm gonna walk behind you or I'll walk ahead but like I wanted to walk alone and I would just listen to music and I would just talk to myself on the way and she'd always make fun of me and she'd be like what's wrong with you like why do you do that like why do you talk to yourself like who are you talking to and I was like and then because my sister does the same thing to me who are you talking to in the room you have an imaginary friend (laughs) <laughs> yeah they would always like she'd always make fun of me and then as when I got married and when I started dating my husband and got married then he could catch me doing it too sometimes and he was like what's going on like what do you and then I had to explain right and um but I but I now I'm just like that's just it's just I think something that you just learn to kind of like talk through things right like now if I have a problem um <clears throat> I'll sit and I'll like I'll have that conversation with myself, right? Right, and, I, and like whether if it's like I had an argument with my sister or something, like I'll talk my points, and then I'll and then I'll say her points, and then I'll respond to her points. But like <laughs> I have to like work it through by talking out loud, right? Um, right? And I think it just helps me just like say it out loud and like leaving it in my head. Like when I don't talk out loud, like you said when you're not checking in with yourself, you're not asking yourself, where are you? Who are you? I feel like when things are just in my head and if I'm not writing it down in my journal, if I'm not saying it out loud, um, I feel like that's when I get really overwhelmed and very anxious because it's just so much in there and I'm getting it mixed up and confused. It's just like a big bowl of soup, you know, just everything's in there. And I'm just like, you know, I need to take things out. Um, and by 
by talking to myself, by journaling is how I do that. Um, so the fact that you said that, I feel good because I, I haven't met anyone else that says they talk to themselves like that. <laughs> That's good. Me too. Actually, that makes me feel good too. <laughs> no, just kidding. Like, um, she used to, yeah, used to make fun of me. And even someone's like, she even like, weird. Like she always say this. She would go, because we, we have the same bedroom growing up. Mm-hmm. Bedroom. And she would walk again like this, her face again who are you talking to right but then you know the thing is um at, again as I'm growing up though as I mature I love what you said it's like a bowl of soup like it it's another way of an outlet right like yeah stays there and then an outlet but the thing is for me I had to learn though um because you talk about confidence I had to learn a skill how to talk to myself yeah, because yeah. Before, I had a lot of insecurities and that's why, you know, I had a lot of um, confusion because, mind you, right, my parents are 40, over 40 years older than I am. Their age gap is so vast, right? I have nieces yeah. and nephews who are the same age as I am, basically, and they are my yeah. parents. They call me auntie, but tita in Filipino, but, you know, and they are being brought up differently. You know, mm-hmm. way, but then we're all you know there is some confusion when I was in age or for sure how even little things little examples like they are allowed to do certain things and I'm not mm-hmm. right? and um yeah and as an adult the same like I had to also maintain that I'm your auntie we're friends but I'm still your auntie you know type of mm-hmm. love and respect but uh, in learning to talk to myself, I, I like reading books. I One of the things that I like is Loving What Is by Byron mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. have it for years and I read it all the time to remind myself of what's real. Mm-hmm. That's the right? So it's basically very practical, the book. It's good for relationships too. Basically, we have... Um, sometimes I hear, not just from myself, like you hear things that your mind is telling you and mm-hmm. me basically questioning how true is that statement? Mm-hmm. How true is that statement? And every time I have episodes of that and then I just go back to the book and just get reminded of, yeah, that's right. And that's my process of talking to myself. How true is what you're saying to me? Because imposter syndrome, for example, is big when you're starting a business. Like, am I sure I'm okay to do this? Like, mm-hmm gonna work like am I equipped I have the skills to do this or do I even have the resources to pull this through you know like things like that yeah yeah and it's just matter of you know matter of really talking yourself properly and as I said being your best friend like as if you're talking to your best friend no judgment Mm -hmm. and that helped me be kind to myself the same mm-hmm. way you be kind to a friend, right? We're always so hard on ourselves. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I say I I love that you share that because I always say that I was like, if my friend came to me with this issue, like here's how I would respond. But if I come to myself with this issue, it's it's such a different, you know, thing. And we think um we put so much pressure on ourselves, right? And we put so much um wanting to do things like for me, like to be a mom, like, like, uh, you know, like what you said with your grandmas, my mom actually has six siblings and my youngest uncle's four years older than me. So we grew up more like brother and sister 
versus like uncle and niece, right? It was like a different, and actually when we would go out, cause we had like, we would sometimes hang out with the same friends. He would say like, don't call me an uncle. <laughs> you know, like, if, he, if there was a cute girl, you know, he liked or something, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, so we had like a similar family dynamic in a way, but um, um, what I was saying about, is like about talking to yourself, right? And like how you, how you react to people. And so, you know, we had the same similar like family dynamic in our, in our family. And um, it's just really interesting when, when you, when, you know, like I said, like when my family would look at my grandparents, right. And how they would react with like my mom, for example. Um, And then, and then how my mom would react with us. And then my uncle would always say similar to you. My uncle would always be like, how come they get to do this? And like, I don't get to do this. And I remember it was like the way my mom, because of the way my grandma, like she was really strict um, and had a very like specific like there was just like one type of person that you could be that was a perfect person. And if you strayed from that, then you were like a problem child. And my mom was the problem child. <laughs> like, like she never did what my grandma liked. She likes, my mom's very eclectic. Like she's very like hyper. She's very like, look, when she's out at a, when we're at a family gathering, like she's talking to everybody at the same time. She's cooking, she's cleaning and she's dancing. Like she's having the time of her life. Because my grandma's a much more conservative woman, right? So it's like, sit down, quiet, you know, respond when someone asks you a question, but you're not like flamboyant, right? Like you're not up there, right? So so my mom and her always had issues. And so my uncle kind of had those limiting beliefs of um, what is packaged as a perfect um, person. So he would put a lot of pressure on himself. Whereas my mom to us were like, do whatever you want. Like we had no curfews. We had no rules. We had like, my mom had a degree in child psychology. So she, her take on raising us was if you do something, you pay the consequences. I'm not going to bail you out. I won't help you, but you do whatever you want. Like there were no rules and, um, and being, you know, cultured, that was, that was different. Right. But, but we grew up where we grew up, it was a lot of Caucasian family so all my friends were Caucasian I was the only colored person in my group of friends and I remember they would have they would get grounded and so I my sister and I would take turns grounding each other so we could fit in with our friends right I was gonna say because you don't get grounded so you do it to yourself awesome I know right I did you know some of that Right. And so I remember like now that like I grow up, I'm like just thinking um, and working through the business side. You were talking about, you know, the imposter syndrome and like thinking if you're good enough. And it's just like sometimes those limiting beliefs, they still creep in. Right. And we get them from our families, even if they're not said to us, we get them from families, from society and everything. Um, Oh, and what I was now I remember what I was going to say. What I was going to say was that having my daughter, you know, growing up, I would always see like my grandma having six kids, like dinner, she would have dinner on the table every day, lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She would have dinner parties. She would have social gatherings. She would look put together, like to this day, like she's put together all the time. And when I had my daughter, I had this like pressure that like, I had to be the best mom, the best wife, the best like house cleaner, the best like business owner, the best employee, like all this stuff. And so, um, when I started my business, I was really struggling because I was just like, feeling burnt out. I was like, how can I be the best business owner? How can I do all of this? And then my imposter side was kind of coming in a little bit in the saying, like, you know, you can't, you can't be a business owner 
while working full time. You can't be a business owner while being a mom. Like one thing, something has to give, right? And you know, I, I was putting, I was feeling so um, guilty when I would work on my business because I was like, oh, I can go clean the house right now. I can go spend an extra half an hour with my daughter. I can go do this. I can go do that. Right. Um, but, but working through all of that, like you said, like the kind of revisiting, like who are you and what's important to you and how can you kind of chunk out your days to get fit in all the things that are priority to you? Um, I think it's important. And um, what you share about the journey of an entrepreneur is always, it's always a challenge, right? And you just have to have that purpose, not why at the forefront, like you said, um, because it really serves as your compass, like tells you what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Um, and so, so I'm curious for you when, um, you know, what, uh, are some things that you could actually look back at now that you're a year also into it. I didn't realize we started our business at the same time, but now that it's been almost a year, and if you can look back to a year ago when you started your business, what were some things that you could say to yourself to really just motivate you to keep going through the challenges of the last year? I'd say keep at it. Keep at it. You're resilient. Keep at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, you know your why. And uh, just keep at it. Just keep lighting the fire. <laughs> yeah. Lighting the fire. Yeah, but uh, yeah, going back though, like I wish I started it uh, earlier. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about if I'm able to rewind anything, that would have been it. Like uh, because I was also struggling with imposter syndrome at the time. Mm -hmm. Because having, yeah, if I would go back to your question though for a year for the flower shop, I could have said, Lisa say, say it right. Actually, you had a podcast with Lisa as well. Lisa. Yeah. Uh, Michelle. Golden, yeah, from Golden Girl Podcast, right? Yeah. So I love what she always say. Your biggest fears are your biggest waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, because that's exactly what happened to me. I wish we're not talking about just a year ago my business was. I wish it was three years ago. But because of this, because of the fear, because of the imposter syndrome to say, I have a son with special needs, mm -hmm. right? And the same, like, how are you going to start that business and be a perfect mom and provide them with all their needs, especially um, having one with special needs who is very dependent on you, right? So mm. that talk. That talk. So basically, going back to a year from now, I would say to myself, I'm so proud of you for having overcome that fear mm -hmm. and that we jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, about um, fear being the biggest waste of time, you know, and I, and also, also, um, putting things into perspective too, I think is, is, is sometimes a way, not putting things into perspective sometimes I think is a waste of time too, because I mean, for me, like I started, um, you know, when I started my business, I just wanted the podcast. Right. And I was going to figure it out after, but slowly I, it just kind of, I got pushed into the coaching because that's just, it just came out of it. Like people were reaching out and I was like, okay, this is something I should really be doing. But I didn't officially start the coaching um, until, you know, early November, 
right? Because I created my course and then I didn't really start it. But in January, I was feeling kind of like, oh, like, should I really relaunch my course again? Should I, um, should I just give up? Like, should I just do the one-on-one, which I knew I, I love one-on-one because of the content, but I just, it's not um, scalable. Like I can't do that long-term. Right. And so I was like, you know, what should I do? And I was, it was all that imposter syndrome coming back. Right. And I was like, you know, I can just shut the doors and focus on the podcast and like, just keep working, you know, and um, which is all the things like, I love the podcast and I don't want to shut it down. And, you know, the working, like, I just can't do that full-time like forever working full-time while trying to manage my business. Um, and it was just, it was just when I put into perspective, the thought that like, Hey, like you've only been doing this for two months and a month of that was Christmas, which nobody listens to you in Christmas time. (laughs) It's on holiday mode. And I was like, you know, like it's only been two or three months. Like, tell me, find me an entrepreneur that's built a business in three months. That's super successful. Like, it's just not that's not realistic, you know, like that's not realistic. And, um, and I was thinking that like, once I put that into perspective, then I started feeling a lot better because I was like, you know, again, putting that extra pressure on myself to meet these targets and these goals, but, um, yeah, not letting fear get in the way of you and slowing you down or taking your time away from you. Um, but also putting things into perspective, like, will really help you capitalize um, when it is fear that's coming in or when it's limiting beliefs or when it is um, imposter syndrome or anything coming into, you know, the, the mix to kind of slow you down and stop you from doing what you want to do. And you just keep going. And I, I actually felt like for a long time that I was just talking to nobody (laughs) about like, other than like the clients that I have, I felt like, Oh, I'm not talking to anybody else. But then, um, just in the last month, like once I let it go, once I put it into the perspective and I let it go, I started getting so many requests to speak on the topics that I have been putting out content on, um, that I felt like was going to nobody (laughs) for growth. Like, you have to think, right? We were on the same action takers club, right? Yeah. Our business is almost about the same age. Like I've watched you grow. Uh, wow. It's amazing what you've done in that short amount of time. Yeah. And you too. Thank you. That's really nice of you to say, but yeah. And it's so, it's nice to see like when we, when you're in business together or when you're starting your businesses together at the same time, like seeing the trajectory, like it's really nice. And then to have you on the podcast, it's been amazing. Um, but yeah, I think that putting things into perspective, like I said, sometimes is, is nice because you, you never know how long somebody has been at something. Um, you know, and my sister actually, she wanted to start a business. She's a finance, she's a CPA. She's an accountant. Um, she wanted to start a business to help small businesses with, um, with their financial, um, the financial side of things, not just like a, doing a budget or not just that's it, but like the fork, <laughs> I'll let her know, but she wanted to do it like, like at a higher level, like, like, okay, let's look at what you have. Let's look at your forecasting. How can we build a plan to get you to that? You know, like a more of a financial plan versus the budgeting and accounting side of things. So I was telling her to do it. And, um, and she was like, oh, like she was having some doubts, right? And then she um, pointed me to somebody 
Oh no, I pointed her to somebody and I was like, look at this girl. Like she just started in December. She's already making six figures a year. Like clearly people want to talk about finance and she just, per- she only does personal budget. Um, uh, but she'll create a personal budget for you and help you stay accountable to that. And I was like, if you're doing for entrepreneurs, like there's a lot of need for that right now. Right. Um, and I was like, look, she already has 7,000 followers <laughs> and it's only been three months. And then my, when I showed my sister, she laughed and she was like, you know what? She's like, I know her. She's like, I used to work with her. She's like, those followers are not from this business. That's because she had three other businesses in the last three years that, um, you know, one was like that thrive vitamin business. And like one was another thing was another thing. She, like, she slowly built her following over the last four years that I've known her. But to me, I'm like, oh, she had 7,000 followers in four months, right? And then, yeah, the numbers can't, yeah. And then my sister who knows her is like, no, I've seen the growth over time. So so that's just to say that like, we can't look at what's on social media. We can't look at what people are posting and curating for their online presence and think that that's like what it takes that like, oh, I should have 7,000 followers in three months. And it's just like, it doesn't matter the number of followers and stuff. It's just, are you staying true to yourself? Is what you're doing making you happy at the end of the day? That's all that matters um, for that, right? And so, um, yeah, so I really appreciate what you share. And so um, I want to know what, um, if there's an entrepreneur right now that was like, is in your spot um, before you started or decided to kind of kickstart Precious by Flow and was is thinking that, you know, someday, someday I'll do this, I'll do that. What would you say to that person that you wish was said to you? Like, what would you, how would you motivate them to reflect and rethink when they want to start their business? Be prepared, but you don't have to be perfect. Mm. Yeah, That's amazing. You don't have to be perfect. You'll learn. There's so much learning to do. And that's part of the fun. That's part of the fun is all the learning, all the mistakes that you have to make or that, that you could make. Um, and that's how it's part of learning. Like what we say to our kids, right? Yeah. My son and teaching him how to write and he's having, you know, sometimes meltdown and because it's hard, it's hard. And every single thing is hard. But when you learn, you grow. And yeah. It's business. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you. When you when you learn, you grow. And there's no. I saw something recently that was like there's no such thing as a failure. Let's just call, let's call it a learning opportunity. Um, and I love that because I just feel you know I had um, when I you know when I first started the business, I paid for so many learning opportunities, so many conferences and stuff. And some of it I felt like was just a waste of money. Um, but then when I heard that, I was like, no, like, let's, let's reframe it. You know, I have learned, like, if I learned one thing out of that, then it wasn't a waste of money, which I did. So uh, reframing it made me feel a lot better. And, um, and just like putting that into perspective and just shifting the way we look at things, I think helps. Um, yeah. And so I really appreciate having you on the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's so inspirational. It's so inspiring. Um, and so if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, um, to talk about, you know, how you're supporting women, um, or want to be a part of the movement that you're creating, um, or just want to connect with you, how, how could they do that? Yeah. So we can, I can be rich at, um, info at preciousbyflow.com. So email, um, which is much preferred. But we are also on Instagram at Precious by Flow and LinkedIn as well. Pinterest, Facebook. All of it. 
all of it. But our 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 online uh, store is preciousbyflow.com. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Flo. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. And I will link all of the social media posts and the websites for Flo on the show notes for you so you can connect with her there. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andresa. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the end of that episode. I hope that you have learned something from that episode that can have you getting closer to a fulfilling life and career. There's so much out there in the world that you can learn, you can experience, and you can apply to your current life that will help you start making those little steps towards a career that you love and that you're inspired by. So I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear what you're doing. I would love for you to share with me over on our social media, or you can send me an email and let me know. You can visit our website, howdidyoulearntodothat.com for the show notes and for blog posts and to hear more about what we're up to. And of course, we would love if you could help us grow by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts as well as on YouTube and sharing with your family and your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.